I do like this song a lot. It's the uh, 1920s little. I know. I feel like we should be skipping. Should be. Doing a little mortgage shuffle TikTok to this. It's one of those like Coella DeVille long cigarette holders or something like that. Rolls Royce. It's kind of got that entourage feel. Remember all nations in the background? That's nice. Those girls have to wear like that 1920s like hat. You know, how about I have that yeah, cloth like, like yeah, yeah, derby yeah, like a derby hat and like they have the cloth hats on. Men are wearing the seersucker. Everybody's places. just drinking uh, wine or like whiskey meat. How are you doing today, Casey? The weather's good. All of a sudden, what is that global warming? What's up with those changes, man? It's like hot, then it's like stormy the next day, and then hot again. I just do the best I can with every day. Presented. I know, right? It's a Pacific Northwest. It, you get all seasons and different days up here. I love it. All our fans down in Texas, man, they got just ripped on with yeah. rain. Yep. And then there was obviously, I think there's still fires and stuff going on um, other parts. So we're heading into the peak seasons. Ooh, fingers crossed, man. Keep that cold weather at least, you know, at a, at a bare need of essential because it starts getting super hot like that and it gets dry. The fire season does get dangerous, so. What a Fingers crossed. from peak of the season. What's well, peak of real estate? Who's peak? Man, and the entire point of this episode, everyone, if you're just jumping in, is we're going to talk about good offers compared to bad offers. Because right now, nationwide, not just our market where we physically sit, it is very, very competitive. And people are often putting anywhere between 6, 12, 18 offers in before they're seeing success. So what we want to do with this episode is break down some common denominators of success stories and not so success <laughs> stories. Yeah, at least uh, put both sides of the table out there. This so you- is true. Like even if you're on the sidelines and mm-hmm. you're not ready, yeah, like you're not ready to buy, there are some things you can take note of, right, to prepare yourself and get ready to be very strategically competitive. Put you in a better situation, absolutely, for when you're ready to come off the sideline. And into the starting lineup. Into the game. Into the game. Ooh, yeah. Phil, put me in, coach. Put me in, coach. And this is the first time I'm going to use my phone as my notes rather than my old school notepad. I'm yeah, trying to be all like You'll fancy. see us down here uh, probably reflashing the screen so we can get the notes popped up. But like Addison's saying, we're kind of coming into you know June, coming up to this next month of 2021 here. Um Oh, That's, yeah, putting in the dates good because you never know when people will see Yeah, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, so we're uh, kind of here at the end of May 2021, but we're coming into June. That's, you know, we're, we're, we're in it now. So we're in the, the home buying season. It's the market where we know it's seller's market. Giving you backdrop on that just because from a low inventory standpoint. So that means less homes out there on the market for buyers to buy, but lots of buyers out there wanting to buy seller's market. But mm-hmm. that can make it very difficult. Super difficult, and we're going to go through some steps here. So the first thing I believe is important, Casey, you have to understand the difference between what's being listed for sale and then what's actually winning offers and being accepted. Yeah. So let me re recircle that. Let's say you're looking at Zillow or Redfin or whatever you use. And you need to be very specific to where you are looking for a home because it's going to be different everywhere. This makes a big difference. But say the house, what you're seeing is Mm -hmm. $450,000. It's like a common sales price for the type of home and location you might be interested in buying in. 
you need to work with your team, like the lender, like myself or Casey and the agent to have a very realistic expectation of where those homes are actually selling for. Because in our market, 450, there's not a lot of 450s. And when they are up for grabs into the open market, yeah. the actual sales price might be a little bit over sales price. It might be a huge inflated, like 500 plus. It yeah. might be at sales price, but it definitely isn't below right now. But really just know, because that's a big difference between being, am I approved for 460? Yeah. Am I approved for 480? Am I approved for 520? So if yeah. you're looking at 450 and things in your market at 450 are going for five and you're not approved for that, don't have the cash for it, don't have a strategy to be competitive, you're wasting everyone's time. And with all due respect, you shouldn't be getting in cars and looking around. Yeah, shouldn't be out there driving around. And, on a more and, positive note, understand it and then reduce your expectations, right, Casey? Yeah, understanding is an important part, guys. You know, like what Eddie's saying is like it might be listed at like what you're pre-approved at, 450, but... Um, with multiple offers, a lot of people wanting that one home or a few homes out there, um, drives the sales price up and that final agreed upon price mm -hmm. is higher than that 450. And that could be a little bit mid or a lot higher. We're just not seeing them below uh, sales price anymore. Like maybe back in the day, previous markets, um, previous years. So being prepared for that mm -hmm. is huge, right? Yeah, get with your lender, get with your agent, understand what things are going for, and yes. understand the closing costs. Mm -hmm. It wasn't long ago that sellers were open to paying for the buyer's closing costs, which can range from four to twelve thousand, yeah. depending on time of year. And the and we're and when we're strategized too, like the agents, the buyers, like, and I still have the conversations. I'm sure you do too. Like, hey, is that a thing, guys? Do you like? You're like, yeah, unfortunately, this is a tough market right now. You're not really seeing that at all. So, Well, and on purchase transactions, the old myth of rolling in your closing costs. Right. You cannot roll in your closing costs. No. You could do that on a refinance, an existing property mm -hmm. you own. However, on purchase, they need to be paid out of pocket or by the sellers via seller concessions or credit. Huge. Yep. That's another one of those terms. By rolled in, guys. I don't like that. Fi you're financing it alone. You're 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 rolling them in. You're financing it. You're, People think you, know, you can do that to to your to your loan um, on a refinance. Yes, if there's enough equity position for you to do that, you can absolutely get away with that. On the flip side, for purchasing, um, in sense, you can finance those in in a strategy wise, but that's still not the technical the technical way, way of it happening exactly so yeah no it's just not something you're seeing in this market really you got to prepare for those closing costs so knowing that you know knowing that you got the money there for your purchase price higher than purchase price and what that could be and the closing costs huge right and if you're strapped for cash because it's two different scenarios if you've got 20, 30, 40% down. There's a lot of different ways to be able to structure and analyze yeah, what well, the best yeah. use of funds are. But say you're more in that 3 to 5% down payment. My number one takeaway for people is go through the baby steps. First, if you need to fix your credit, fix your credit. Get 700 or above. Make sure you can do a conventional loan because that's going to be more competitive than most FHA loans. That is generally speaking. But yes. work with your lender with seeing what's called looking at the grid. 
So a lot, a lot of people don't understand how interest rates works relative to cost, par, and credit. So to use easy math, say a lender says, oh, I'll give you 3.00 at no additional cost. Often they're also looking at a grid of which there might be a lower rate, say 2.875, but in return, the home buyer needs to pay additional closing costs. That's referred to as points or discount points. Now, conversely, if you go up from 3.00 to say 3.25, you would often in this example receive what's called a credit, a lender credit. Now, sometimes it's substantial, sometimes it's not. There's a lot of variables to down payment credit score. However, if you're strapped on cash and maybe you're one to two K short from paying all of your own closing costs, look at that slightly increased interest rate and see what how much in credits your lender could give you, which are only applicable and can only be used for closing costs and prepaids, not down payment. Yeah, it's such a good strategy too. Look at it. Because Look sometimes at the options. Sometimes too for for the buyer or the client, um, having some more liquid funds on hand um and if you guys aren't aren't aware or prepared like stuff's probably going to cost money even after you purchase a home like maybe you'll want to upgrade some stuff or maybe you want to change some stuff or make it your own like you're going to put some money into that home or maybe you're going to fix some stuff or whatever right having some liquid assets still on hand is important um and so being able to maybe take a little bit higher interest rate to have some of those closing costs covered Always a good strategy yeah, for sure to look at. Ask your lender for their version of the grid or what are my options? Yep. And look at yeah. that What kind of different That's interest rate options there. do I have? Absolutely. So being realistic about offer price and acceptance prices is really key. Then we went to closing costs, understanding what you need in order to have the most competitive offer. Don't let just one or two grand be the reason why all of your offers are going in with like seller to pay $900 in closing costs. That gets shoved to the ground. There's easy ways to structure that to uh, be even more competitive. But some of the basics really quick, I I noted stabilized income. I think Mm -hmm. that's really important. Uh, Make sure you're getting with the lenders that you're working with, listening to our other episodes on not changing jobs, making sure if you're self-employed, you have your taxes done, you have a a year-to-date profit and loss, that your income's trending up. If you're just basic salary, that's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, but don't change jobs unless you've talked about it. Like make sure you stabilize the income, right, Casey? I think that's a good basic to bring up. Yeah, and you have to think about it from this perspective. Like last year, the last two years have been very unstable mm-hmm. for the world. Um, so that has been taken into consideration in financing. I mean, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars that are getting lent to a single entity, you know, to a person, an individual, a, a joint couple, whatever, right? So hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's going to be looked at. You're going to get looked at and checked. So stabilizing that income, making sure that stuff is there because COVID has brought in, you know, some extra risk layers that are going to be looked at. They want to look at history of job. They want to make sure you're two years or one year, you're just, your stable employment and income is there. That's what they want to see. I think that's a really good point bringing up the pandemic because especially if you've got, um, dynamically structured compensation Mm -hmm. as i call it where like say like a firefighter there's a lot of like shift differentials Mm -hmm. or lead or night or day holiday same with um, hospitals and uh, first responders another example commission sales 
big, big yes. shift. So you really want to have that initial consult with a lender to see what your income is qualifying. Because often I've seen this happen before. A quick story. Last year I had a random agent. Um, actually it wasn't the agent it was the client called me. It's like, Hey, I just got an accepted offer and you came up as top, whatever lender in, in your market. Will you do my loan? is really odd like the proper way to do it is to choose your lender and agent prepare strategize yeah. and then go in for the attack yeah. and shop and get into contract yeah so they're doing it backwards which is always a red flag so well i got approved for five hundred thousand. i'm like okay well who did you get approved through because first and foremost if it's one of my colleagues in my industry i'm not gonna try to take business from right. someone that's already worked for it so i want to see the letter yeah yeah to make sure it was the internet lender, Quicken Loans. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> You're saying it. I was trying to think not how to not say that name, but I'm going to say it. They had gone online and typed in their own income, their own income. They yep. self-assessed what would qualify. Yeah. Typed this all in, sent it back, and they got a pre-qualification letter right there. It's not even accurate. The individual's they, income that they counted in, $35,000, they were counting as the student loan money they got because he was going to school. So that was his income, was yeah. the loan he took out. Absolutely not true. So their buying power wasn't 450 or 500. In fact, it was 175. So we had to bring mom and dad in mm -hmm. as a co-signer. Mm -hmm. And then guess what happened all the way down after I put weeks and weeks of effort into it? She told yeah, me, she, tell me the main income driver had told me they were full-time. And they weren't. Nope. Temp. Nice. Bye. That is a really good example of, A, if you're in the industry as a seller, which most people know they won't accept a Quicken Loan internet pre-qualification. Uh, but that's a good example of why you can't just go online especially if you have dynamic comp structures and assume what the internet and calculators are telling you are true on an approval base. I mean, that was really, really sad and I felt horrible, but it was tough that they did it backwards. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to step in and then someone's lying to you. Yeah. And, and I heard too, like, you have to be this, you have to be the nice guy, but also the educated and transparent guy. That's like, Hey, this is exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, that's Never why. lie to your lady, lawyer, or loan officer. Yeah, that's why it's so important to be truthful, guys, on everything. And, and not saying that they did anything, you know, maybe wrong, but um, on a lighter, you know, on a, on, on the lighter side of yeah, it. Yeah, that like, got deep. With, but that's always good, though, because, I mean, we're here to, like we've told everybody and all our listeners out there, um, we're here to be transparent and truthful. We're going to tell you guys what it is so you guys are just as educated as we are and you're well prepared out there in the market. Um, I had a client that was the same way, um, was transparent. And hey, case, I was affected during COVID. He, a retail store manager, one of the outlet chains, you know. Mm -hmm. And so with that, it's his income had changed. And so from being full-time salaried and stuff like that, it had actually, he'd worked less. So that salary had changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't the same average monthly that he was used to it had decreased and so you had to go off of that and so what we'd learned to strategize which is if you're out there you know and you're going through this process the right way the first steps of getting pre-approved up front right we just learned he had to wait a few months get full time again show that history that it was a 
back to the same routine, stabilized, right, right, right. stabilized out, and then we were ready to go off his full salary. This is super important because the qualifying income the, allows us to determine your pre-approval amount with the assets and credit verified, and that determines your buying power and what you can do in this market. Yeah. So a lot of people just make the assumption, and they don't know. When you're trying to strategize and be – you know, right there, top three ponies, as I call it. Yeah. Yeah. On offers, you got to be ready. Um, I'm glad that we shared a couple of stories. Uh, and both sure sides of it, right? Ready. Yeah. Both sides of it. Uh, that's a big one. I think going sub to buying power, let's talk a little bit about appraisal gaps. Yeah. If you're listening to this and haven't caught our appraisal gap episode with uh, Scott Curahara, our operations manager, that's a good one. it was a good one. It talks about what an appraisal gap is, but essentially if you agree to buy a house and it under appraises, a, a lot of people are putting in a contingency that makes their offer look more appealing. They are committing mm -hmm. to pay for the gap in the appraisal out of pocket. So that is separate from your down payment and closing costs expected to obtain the mortgage. It, you, like you flat out pay that difference to the sellers and you could put a cap on it. You could make it no gap. Um, that's something you're going to work specific with your lender and your agent on your ability. So quick, kind of story from yesterday i chalked up um a spreadsheet i often give somebody five different examples on a spreadsheet of what if this what if that so it was their max buying power if this property had appraised based on what their comfort level was for maximum amount out of pocket it's like great everything goes good with the appraisal we'd go 20 percent down we pay your closing costs and we're still within your budget of what you feel comfortable yeah, spending yeah. total investment right yeah good good numbers now but if we come the appraisal comes under Right. But if it comes under five, 10, 15, 20 yeah. grand, now what start that building that out to where instead of you're putting 20% down, maybe reduce to 16, mm -hmm. 14, mm -hmm. 12, mm -hmm. 10. The lender needs to be able to know that even though you are reducing that down payment and opening liquidity to pay off the appraisal gap, the lender, if they're good at their job, will check to make sure that worst case scenario. Even if you've got a default to less down payment to pay that appraisal gap, got to make sure you qualify for yeah. it because the monthly payment goes up. Yep, yep absolutely. It does. Yeah. You're carrying mortgage insurance. Your structure changes. Loan. Everything changes. So dynamic spreadsheets and options one through whatever are very important in this market. But Casey, this is why you don't find the house and then get the loan. Yep. You figure out how far you can stretch what your limitations are and go in with a plan of attack. And if you're working with us, we're going to give you all those scenarios. So when you're, before you put in an offer, you're swiftly understanding as a buyer and you're working with your team. Okay, great. We're going to go in at this. At least I know worst case, this is going to be my payment. This is going to be the most out of pocket. I can do everything I just signed in that contract, but if everything goes my way, this is also what it looks like. Alleviating the stress in the process is very, very key. And it's all about being proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. And it's just, there's so much riding on the line right now with so many different offers sitting there in backup right. position that you, you can't afford to make mistakes really because someone's swooping in on that and, and not to, put it as bluntly, but that's just what it is. I had conversations with a buyer's agent this morning and that was her big concern. You know, um, apparently maybe lenders over there in that market, uh, weren't taking close dates seriously and stuff like that. Uh, which everyone should always take a close date seriously, but 
Hey, you know, if you miss a close date or or it extends or or you're late or whatever the case may be, uh, maybe you back out, whatever it is, you are then out of contract and there's somebody waiting for you because there's not that many homes out there. So the next person needs it. And I I wanted to touch base on Addie's point too because that appraisal gap, guys, you know, what, what we're saying there is, you go into contract at a certain price point. Let's just say that's five hundred thousand. Um, initially, maybe the house was listed at four fifty, but the final agreed upon price was five hundred. That's what got you guys that offer accepted. That beat everybody else, or whatever the case was. The then appraisal comes in at four seventy five, which would essentially, on a lender side, meaning an RIs based off of the appraisal and everything, the value of that home is four seventy five, not the agreed upon five hundred k purchase price, but four seventy five, and that is what we need to do our loan structure based off of now. So if you had twenty percent down payment at the five hundred thousand mark, maybe that now is fifteen percent down payment because it's a four seventy five value, and we now have to restructure the loan based off of that. Yeah, and you owe twenty five grand to the seller, and you still you owe it. To it. But make sure you're checking with your lender and your agent Agent and your structuring because that's what's going on in our market. But nationally, it might be different in Ohio, Florida. It might be more extreme. It might not be present. So, and guys, if you're putting like a massive amount down payment stuff like that, sometimes it doesn't really affect you. Yeah, but if you're on that twenty percent or lower, I mean, or twenty five, maybe. I mean, if you're right there, it's it would be uh, pretty specific, right? I mean. Mm I would say too, that's why going, I've said this like three times now, who you work with is key. And when you are interviewing lenders or deciding on lenders and agents, ask how many transactions they've been through in the last 90 days. Cause the market changes a lot month to month, quarter to quarter. A year ago, the pandemic was hitting. I don't want to hear about how you did a deal in 2018 because it's a totally different board game than it is right now work with people that have closed transactions as of late success stories for people in your situation like if you're a low down first time home buyer i don't want to work with the luxury premier agent of my area they're not going to care about me nor are they going to have experience at my price point so ask more questions because you want people that are winning in this market are active We've all seen, heard it and seen it, Casey. Not only mortgage people, but agents who we have phone calls with or we get parties and you're like, the way they're talking is so like six months ago, three years ago. And you're like, what? What? Did you just get teleported here to 2021? Yeah. You are not in the times. And unfortunately, you talked, you know, there's just, there's misinformation out there, bad information. People treat each other bad. There's too much of that just going on in the world. Uh, and the sad thing is, you might be buyer's times, like people out there might be wasting their time because they're with an inadequate team that doesn't know how to compete in this market. Yeah. And I, now they're, that's horrible. Let's be honest, guys. I mean, do you want to work with someone that's doing one transaction a year or is knee deep in it every day, treating it like it's a, a full-time job and we're getting after it? I and mean, conversely, what... are they doing too much business that they can't give you any attention? Yeah, you don't want to, it, you know. Here's the big, you ever get like, here's your pre-approval offer from a mortgage professional. Let me know when you get into contract to find somebody else. If you hear that. 
because they're just, they call it apping you up, sending you out to the ocean. They're not on your team. They're playing the numbers game of like, I want as many clients as I possibly can get. I would rather work with a small collective group, focus on quality rather than quantity and be a part of getting my clients in a yeah. contract. That is a purchase lender. That is how you dominate and provide the best service for everyone. So it's a win, win, win. Agent, lender, buyer, yep. every time. Every time. And we are definitely running out on the we clock, are. I just noticed. But but I, I know we had a, yeah, something at the end there, though. Didn't we have one more final note piece on that? Yeah, we do. One thing I said, be flexible on terms and repairs. So being flexible in terms mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm. allowing for rent back. If you don't know what rent back is, find the Adinet Instagram page. I did a short called rent back on it. It explains what that is, who pays for what, but essentially you can close financially on the transaction. The sellers can retain residency within the home and somewhat become short-term renters. You own the home financially and legally, but they stay there. That makes your offer more short-term. Maybe you're letting them get their stuff like out 30 for, days. You know. 30 days or something it lets them they got to go buy another house too right. so they're getting the market and then repairs just two three years ago casey people were so picky oh like, my gosh a little like sheetrock ding would be oh, brought up see pages like, you can't pick sellers want to want you to show up at the altar on time as our boy terry sprague once said and they don't want it to be complicated and that's what happens when there's high demand and very low supply right casey yeah yes sir yes sir you might even see him wave don't even bring it to the table definitely get that home inspection and be realistic about the huge big ticker items right but don't be that guy who's like oh there's a little move ding on the sheetrock do it yourself on the weekend yeah don't, don't get be lost a, in that paint yeah. color but there's little things like that that people just get caught up on lastly too, understand your non-negotiables everyone's got about 20 of them <laughs> but pick your like top three things that you can't absolutely uh, John, and be prepared to not hit all three of those. Yep. Whether it's location, point. size of backyard, um, that extra basement that you wanted, or extra basement, extra office with totally. a basement, your outdoor living space, like schools. Schools. That might be your non-negotiable, but if you need to be in this one school district, you might have to be on a busier street than you, you want to. You might have to wait for the school. next two years for a house to pop up. The HGTV Bravos, like magical land, people all see on TV does not Straight exist. Straight of dreams. And I drink way too many Coke Zeros before this. Yeah, that's all right. I've got so much caffeine rolling through me. Casey, hit we us with should be sponsored by it. Tell them about the VIP line. Yeah, guys, if you got the questions, and, and sometimes, you know, we put some, uh, check out the MLO Instagram page. We put some questions out there like, hey, guys, give us, like, some stuff to talk about. You know, we can come up with content based off of your guys' questions. So follow that page and like it and, and see what we kind of got for content and questions. Reach out. If you guys got questions about the process, hit up the VIP number, 503-847-9038. We'll get you dialed in. It goes to both of us. Someone will answer and get back to you for sure. Or you can hop online, check out the MLOshow.com, where you can find all of our content, all the latest goods, rock and roll from there. And, you know, the listeners, you know where to catch us at. We're climbing up the rankings on those podcast platforms. And I'm going to throw this out as a promotion of anyone's... I wonder if anyone listens all the way through that when we start doing that call to action. I don't know. the beginning, but hit us with a review if you can. It really helps the podcast rankings and our growth. Find us on Instagram. Uh, yeah. What's your handle again? Your personal Casey Carpenter 503. Yes, sir. And I'm Addy.net. And of course, we have the MLO show. I will make a commitment. The first 10 people that follow us, all three of those pages, I will give them an MLO mug. Oh.
I think that's the rest of the show there because the music just stopped. Free mugs for just everybody. Just in case it wasn't, we appreciate you. And until next time, we'll, we'll catch, catch you later. later. <laughs>